This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Devi, and your go-to source for all things Devi and college football. Yo, 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 welcome back. This is the Destination Devi program and I am the host of this here thing that we do, Ray G. You know where to find me on Twitter, at Ray GQ. And we are back. I've been kind of off for a week. I put out a show last Monday, but really been off for a week as we got moved into the new crib. And as you can see, we're live from the new GQ headquarters. It's still still getting moved in. I got curtains tacked up to the wall, tacky as hell. Don't have the new desk in. But, but we're making it, we're getting there, and I could not, I will not leave you hanging with the Rookie Report Week 2 edition, and man, you guys, um, who this week, this was, this is peak 2020 as far as the NFL is concerned, there were just some devastating injuries, the news, it's just, it's brutal, it's absolutely brutal, and I, I tweeted this out earlier. I am no medical professional. I have no medical expertise. Everything that I deliver to you guys, my viewpoints, how I analyze players, how I decipher talent from no talent is all from the lens of somebody that actually played the game and and, and studies football and, and loves fantasy and makes sure that I provide actionable content that way. But it's hard to it's hard to ignore the fact that You know, I've talked about it a lot. Football players in general, athletes are creatures of habit. And when that habit is disrupted to the degree that everything in the offseason was was completely different than these elite players were used to, bad things are bound to happen. And while football is an inherently dangerous sport, it's violent injuries are a part of the game. It's hard to not think that some of the stuff with COVID and limited practice opportunities and contact and no preseason games, like some of this stuff is, it's hard to think that this isn't playing a factor into the injuries that we saw. Saquon Barkley, Raheem Mostert, Jimmy Garoppolo. 
I mean, those are just a couple of people. Will Fuller went down today. Cam Akers was hurt. It just was every game we were losing not just players, but elite fantasy producers. And it's hard to think that otherwise that this COVID situation has not affected and impacted this. And it just, my heart goes out to those individuals. It stinks. And for those of us in fantasy football and dynasty and redraft, I mean, you got to figure it out on the fly. That's that's what makes a good dynasty and fantasy manager uh, opposed to the others is figuring out shit on the fly. So here we are. These things have presented itself and now we have to react. So this is the rookie report week two. We're going to dive into the rookies that are risers, my rookie of the week, the rookies that are fallers, and some that I'm starting to be a little bit concerned about. I'm not going to go all the way into full panic mode, but we'll get there when we get there. I I keep everything in uh, composite. If you don't have a black composition notebook, get one. I mean, I just scribble shit down during the game to go back and recall notes and things like that, but we are going to get into it. Excited to be here. Excited to talk to you. Ready to dive into these rookies. But you know we got to hear a word from my man, Gus Johnson. Drop the intro, baby. You got barbecue back there, and you didn't invite me. Hurt my feelings. All right, my rookie of the week. And granted, I'm recording this on Sunday, so the Sunday night game is still going on or is about to kick off the Patriots versus the Seahawks. And outside of DJ Dallas actually spazzing out, I don't think there'll be much to talk about from the rookie front offensively. And then the Monday night game, Henry Ruggs is the big name. Brian Edwards as well from the Saints and the Las Vegas Raiders game. But my rookie of the week from what I saw, and I was very very encouraged by what I saw from this player was Justin Herbert, the quarterback from the Los Angeles Chargers. The fact that he was thrown into the starter's role last minute to a crazy Tyrod Taylor injury and then to go out there and to perform the way that he did versus the defending, the reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, albeit at home, no crowd, not really at home. There's no really a competitive advantage there. But Herbert looked outstanding. He was 22 for 33, one touchdown, one interception, ran the ball well. We knew that he was an athlete coming out of Oregon. But for him to be thrust into that position, practicing all week as the backup, I mean, they took the Chiefs to overtime. And outside of a couple of plays here and there, they had the defending champs on their ropes. But this was so encouraging and so positive because a lot of people – throughout the entire draft process, we're kind of like, yeah, Herbert's okay, but he doesn't have that killer instinct. He doesn't have that kind of, you know, that kind of mentality to go out there and and make it happen. And he did exactly what he was able to do at Oregon. He was a little off target on some passes, but who isn't? He's an athlete. He can make all the throws. He's got an howitzer for an arm. So with time, I think you've got a really good quarterback on your hands. And I can tell you right now, If you were asking me based off of today, would I rather Kirk Cousins or a Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold or Teddy Bridgewater or whomever the San Francisco 49ers are going to roll out there or Justin Herbert, give me that guy, especially in Superflex format. So Justin Herbert is my rookie of the week, big time riser. If if there are league mates that you you dynasty with that are still kind of like, yeah, it's Justin Herbert. I would try to trade for him. He's going to be, he was a top seven pick in the NFL draft, top six pick. He's locked into the starting job. It's it. That's it for Tyrod Taylor. It's done. 
I don't care what happens. You cannot pull Justin Herbert off of the field, barring him going out there and just failing catastrophically over the next couple of weeks. Wally Pipp's situation with Tyrod Taylor. And for those of us who have Justin Herbert in our dynasty leagues, that is a, a big boon, a big plus, because none of us expected him to play this year. The Chargers didn't even expect him to play this year. So to get any production from a rookie quarterback that has the talent to score you points through the air and on the ground is a massive, massive win. Justin Herbert looked out freaking standing today, albeit in a loss. It's the, his arrow was pointed up, stock up on Justin Herbert. Now let's jump into some rookie risers, and we talked about this player last week, but James Robinson, y'all. <sighs> James Robinson looks good. James Robinson looks good. 16 carries again this week, 102 yards, one TD, three receptions. Last week he had one for 18 yards this week, so uh, in total over 100 and what's that, 18 plus 120 total yards and a touchdown. He's good. He's explosive. He is the primary ball carrier. I don't care what happens with Devon Ogzigbo and Raquel Armstead. It's James Robinson's job, at least for this season. Now, two ways you can look at this James Robinson situation. One, sell high. Sell high, get a proven NFL talent, get a, you know, a 2021 draft pick, or you hold him and hope that this organization moves forward with him potentially being their running back of the future, at least for the next couple of years. Gardner Minshew looks good. Gardner Minshew looks like the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars long-term, and it might behoove them to go ahead and start thinking about, you know, if he finishes out this season the way that he's looked early on this year, next season they might think about extending him. And if that happens, that opens up a world of possibility for the Jaguars not having to take a Trevor Lawrence. Now, Lawrence was like eight for nine for 500 yards and 20 TDs uh, on Saturday versus the Citadel. He looks, he's the going to be the number one pick, but I don't think Jacksonville is going to be bad enough with Gardner Minshew there to get a Trevor Lawrence. And if you don't take Trevor Lawrence, I don't think you take a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance over what we've seen so far in Gardner Minshew. Now, I say that to say, you've got two young pieces on your team that can help you win in the future, and James Robinson seems like he's going to be a part of that future. If it were me, and if my personal opinion is I would sell high on James Robinson. I do not believe that Jacksonville is going to commit to him long term. They don't have a lot invested in him, but it is good to see him performing the way that he is performing early this season, commanding the touches, being more involved in the passing game, stock up again for James Robinson. Now, one of the players I thought about making a co-rookie of the week but, I mean, he did exactly what we knew he would do. Is Jonathan Taylor, the running back from the Indianapolis Colts, who out-touched Naheem Hines 28-1. to I know there was a little bit of trepidation about going all-in on JT and his price on DraftKings that I believe 5100 bucks was, I mean, smashed that. He was definitely in every one of my lineups. But went out there, commanded the bulk of the touches, 26 carries, 101, 1 TD. Again, out-touched Naheem Hines 28-1. to JT behind that line is money. Uh, he's good. He's a freak. He's a beast. It's his job. He is the running back of the future for the Indianapolis Colts. His stock and arrow is pointed upwards. And I, I just see him being locked and loaded as an RB1 from this point out for the rest of the season. You have to, any player who is getting 20, 25 carries, which Jonathan Taylor is built to do that, he's he's in RB1 territory. I think it's a given 
at this point that JT is an RB1 for the remainder of the season. Stock up on that rookie. Uh, if you can buy him, do it. Um, if you can't, sucks, man. Should have had some JT on your team. Jonathan Taylor, stock up on that rookie. Now, another rookie who I talked about on the live stream, patreon.com forward slash all gas, live stream every Sunday before uh, the games, talk and start sit stuff. And I said today, CD Lamb was a flex worthy play. And what did CD Lamb do? Go out there, nine targets, six receptions, over 100 yards. CD Lamb is a stud. Him and Amari Cooper really complement each other well. And with Dak Prescott playing lights out football, it was a little shaky early for the Dallas Cowboys. But once they settled down, Dak over 450 passing yards. CeeDee Lamb is a stud. He is an absolute stud. He's explosive. He's smooth. And he's on the field playing. His role is going, only going to continue to grow. CeeDee Lamb is a major buy. I think he's a flex play from here on out, the arrow is pointed up on C.D. Lamb. And as much as I like Michael Gallup, you know, I know a lot of people talked about it's going to be Gallup and C.D. Lamb in the future because Dallas can dump Amari Cooper after next season. Being down here in Texas, I just don't see that happening. Cooper is good. I don't know why people think Amari, and if you watch that game, over 100 yards for Amari Cooper, one-handed grabs down the sideline, breaking tackles, run after the catchability. I think Lamb and Cooper is a better pairing for Dak Prescott in Dallas than C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup. I think Michael Gallup is extremely talented, and I think this is an opportunity to buy low on Gallup. The unfortunate reality is he's probably going to be the one on another team here in the near future. C.D. Lamb is a stud. I am going to try like hell to trade for C.D. Lamb this week. Flex playing seasonal leagues, buying dynasty leagues, the arrow is pointed up on C.D. Lamb. Two more guys that I want to talk about. One player that played on Thursday night, Joe Burrow. Listen, there was a question that I've posed on this show multiple times that I've posed on Twitter multiple times. Who It's like the chicken or the egg. Who was more responsible for LSU success last year, Joe Brady or Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow or Joe Brady? And right now, early in this 2020 season, the answer is unequivocally Joe Burrow. He's a stud. He's got it. There were some things that happened in that Browns game that he will learn from. But when you look at what he can do from the pocket, what he gives you with his mobility and his legs, Joe Burrow was a stud on Thursday night. I know Cincinnati lost that game. But if you're a Cincinnati fan, you have to be ecstatic about what you've seen so far from Joe Burrow. His relationship with Tyler Boyd is good. T. Higgins got on the field. We saw him make some plays, and the young tight end, Drew Sample, was also involved in that offense. Joe Burrow, he's a, he's a future top eight quarterback in Dynasty, and in seasonal leagues, I believe he's somebody that you can roll out there as a starter and, and throw him out there with confidence because right now, outside of about seven or eight guys, it gets a little shaky down the line. So we saw Deshaun Watson, who is regarded as a top eight uh, quarterback in seasonal leagues. That's what happens when you trade your best player for David Johnson. You you leave your quarterback susceptible to nobody to pass the ball to besides Darren Fells and Jordan Akins. I mean, it's I have no words. I can talk about the Houston Texans all day and the mismanagement of that organization, but 
Joe Burrow stud, stock up on that young kid, get you some Joe Burrow. Now, the last player I want to talk about didn't have a big stat line, but I loved how he was involved in the offense, and it's LaVisca Chenault. Five five carries this game, three receptions. He was utilized exactly how he was utilized in uh, Colorado, in college. And we just keep talking about these Jaguars, James Robinson, LaVisca Chenault, Gardner Minshew. Listen, there's a lot to like about this Jacksonville offense, and the defense is not very good, which means they are going to have to throw the ball and score points to come back. Visca's all right, man. I like how they're using Visca, especially when you're giving him the ball on the ground because he is a human tank when he gets the ball in his hands. Not a major stat line, but LaVisca Chenault. I, 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 I sent out some offers to get me some Visca. Haven't been able to successfully do it, but Visca Chenault is definitely a rookie riser. All right, I said that was my last rookie riser. I got one more. I, I got one more, and it's Josh Kelly, and it's the simple fact that he got 23 carries. I mean, I said it last week. He is more than Austin Eckler's backup. This is Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler a couple of years ago. Josh Kelly is going to be involved in the offense. Josh Kelly's probably going to lead this team in carries this season. And with Justin Herbert and his ability to run the ball with his legs should open stuff up for Kelly and for Eckler. Now, not a huge stat line. Didn't have a lot of rushing yards. What did he have? He had 64 rushing yards, two receptions. 23 carries. I mean, that is, that's dream scenario. Edwards Hilaire only had 10. He had six receptions this week and, you know, 16 total touches. But Josh Kelly's a talented running back. So still, go out there, buy you some Josh Kelly. All right, I'm done with the rookie risers now. Let's go to the fallers. Rookie fallers. And I, I hate to do this because injury, you know, injury victory laps are the worst things ever. But Cam Akers, injury to his ribs, I've not seen if it was broken ribs or what, but, you know, Daryl Henderson looked nice. Malcolm Brown looked nice again. And what's disappointing is Akers started the game and looked pretty good. He was the starting running back, was getting the carries, and for him to go down, it's just, that's that's very, very unfortunate for Akers. Don't know how long he's going to be out for, but, yeah, definitely a little bit of a stock down for Cam Akers. Now, I, I don't want to say faller in the sense that I think this player is bad, but it's two weeks in a row that Jerry Judy's dropped multiple passes for the Denver Broncos. Now, he ended up with 62 yards, and Cortland Sutton was hurt. Drew Locke was out of the game. Injuries all over the place. But Jerry Judy, one of the knocks on him coming out of Alabama for as much as we want to marvel at his route-running prowess is he tends to drop the ball. And two weeks in a row, Jerry Judy has had back-to-back drops in games This game, he dropped two that I counted that were critical catches. It's just, it's concerning to see that, yes, he can get open. Yes, his routes are crisp, but you can't be dropping the damn ball, Jerry Judy. So just a little bit of a faller for me, Jerry Judy. Also, Justin Jefferson, he did lead Minnesota in receiving yards, had three receptions. So it's nothing to do with Justin Jefferson per se. But the Minnesota passing offense just looks bad. Kirk Cousins was horrible today. Yeah, I mean, I I just, I don't see a world. I I know earlier, some shows earlier in the season, I said Justin Jefferson could be one of the most productive rookies in this 2020 class, and there's no way that's going to happen now. It's just, it's not going to happen. They need a quarterback. They need Kirk Cousins to start playing better. They need something. So right now, 
he's falling as a byproduct of that Minnesota Vikings offense. Couple of guys that are, are, are falling, but not again because of their activity level on the field. And the panic meter is, is just starting to heat up for me on these players. And I'm going to start with one of my guys, Jalen Rager. Another four-catch game, so not horrible. He didn't goose you if you started him. I started him in a couple of places. But Carson Wentz and that Phil, he just looks so bad. So, so bad. And if the quarterback can't get the wide receiver the ball, I cannot in good faith and good conscience tell you to go out and start said player. Carson Wentz has got to pick his shit up because he is looking like another couple of games. You might as well throw Jalen Hurts in there to see what he can do. So Jalen Rager, a little bit of a stock down for me. He did drop one towards the goal line. He got bailed out because they called him a personal foul, helmet to helmet hit, unnecessary roughness. But he's got to pull that pass down. Caught a screen pass, ran into the defense instead of running outside. Another little knock that he'll learn. But Jalen Rager, uh, that Philadelphia Eagles passing attack outside of Zach Ertz. I mean, stock down a little bit for Rager. Antonio Gibson. Now, I had Gibson, what, third rookie coming into the season? Third ranked rookie as far as production. And he had 13 for 55, scored a touchdown late, outtouched Peyton Barber as we all thought. But Washington is bad, man. That offensive line is bad. I don't think Gibson is bad. I just think we definitely need to temper those top 24 expectations. Had he not scored that touchdown and it's another pedestrian day for Antonio Gibson, I don't know if he caught the damn ball or not, but just, just kind of it leaves a lot to be desired, right? 13 for 55, again, without that touchdown, I am not full-fledged panic mode whatsoever on Antonio Gibson, but... I know in the Discord, one of the patrons said, Ray, I might be selling Antonio Gibson. I'm still a buyer, but I would not knock you for selling Gibson. The problem is I think everybody else sees that. We were expecting some Christian McCaffrey-like production with Ron Rivera. Maybe not production, but usage. And to see J.D. McKissick be in there getting a lot of carries, um, getting a lot of touches... Just I don't don't think you'll be able to trade him for what you value him as. Therefore, you got to hold him. And I don't think it's a bad hold. He's still the primary ball carrier for Washington. But just a little bit of concern. Just just a tiny, 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 tiny bit for Antonio Gibson. More concern for DeAndre Swift. Ugh, God, Swift. Uh, What do you have, five touches today? Five carries? Yeah, um, five for 12 for DeAndre Swift, faller. I mean, he was he was a faller last week because AP got all the carries. AP still had more carries but was less effective. Lions just look shitty. I mean, he's just a rookie faller. Until they get carry on out of the way, until the corpse of Adrian Peterson goes away, I just, I don't think we're ever, we're going to get what we want out of DeAndre Swift here in 2020, at least early on. It has not looked like that. So DeAndre Swift, just a tad bit of a rookie faller. Now, my rookie sneaky waiver wire pickup ad of the week is New York Jets running back LaMichael Piron. Whoa. I know the Jets think. They're horrible. They're going to be 0-16. Frank Gore got a ton of carries. He's super old, and he was very ineffective. 
And Michael P. Ryan got a couple of touches. He was active for the first game. We know Le'Veon Bell is on IR. It's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. He may end up being a ball carrier in that backfield, albeit a horrible one. But at this point, with how many people have been injured, we just want people that we can throw out on the field and start that are going to touch the damn football. So LaMichael Piran might be one of those players that you can pick up off of waivers for dirt cheap, stash him away. If something happens to Gore or if something happens to Adam Gase, he'll be there for the next three years or whatever. LaMichael Piran may be a running back to get you some touches. All right, you guys, that is the show. Rookie Report Week 2 in the books. About to go check out the Patriots and the Seahawks. We've got the Saints and the Raiders. Hopefully Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards gets involved in the action. Man, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a lot of good stuff cooking over with Destination Debbie. Winning money, making money. Monkey Knife Fight was real nice to your boy today. If you want to get in on that Monkey Knife Fight action, first time deposits, use the promo code DEVYDEVY. They'll match you. You, know, you put in 50, they give you 50. Why not do it? Make sure you use that promo code Devi. Make sure you check out Destination Devi on YouTube, on the podcast, on Twitter. Follow the show. And if you want more access to your boy, patreon.com forward slash all gas. Keeping you lit up with the upcoming 2020 rookie rankings. Football live streams. Talking college. Talking NFL. Talking rookies. Come talk to your boy GQ, man. I appreciate y'all checking it out, but I am out. Y'all be good, be blessed, hustle, motivate, be great. I'm gone. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. No matter if you're watching those Las Vegas Raiders get a dub or if you're checking out those Dallas Cowboys, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching.